0: You're listening to Going Places. I'm your host, Kara Orbo. I initially started this podcast to learn more about the ins and outs of travel. Eventually, I discovered there's so much more to a person than where they go. My goal is to learn more from people who are going places. I've interviewed community leaders, entrepreneurs, veterans, authors, and experts who tell fascinating stories and give amazing advice. Thanks for tuning in, and I can't wait to see where you go. Hi everyone. You're listening to Going Places. I'm your host Kara Orbell, and I'm also a community organizer for the Norman Miller Center for Peace, Justice, and Public Understanding. I have an amazing guest today. Her name is Susan Stein, and she is the founder, playwright, and performer of the Eddie Project. As a woman, this is a one-woman play she wrote, and it's dire- directed by Austin Pendleton. And the Eddie Project shares the journals and writings of Eddie Hilsum, a young Jewish Dutch student living and writing in occupied Amsterdam in 1942. Susan has spent the past 11 years touring her original play, Eddie, to theaters, universities, schools, prisons, and other venues across the country and internationally. I'm so happy to talk to you today. Thank you. I'm
1: happy to talk to you. Thank you.
0: Of course. Let's get started. When did you start performing? How did you discover your love of performing?
1: Oh, performing just performing mm-hmm. um, i I wanted to i I knew I loved theater um I remember being four years old and loving it mm-hmm. um but but I didn't actually start performing um until high school when I kind of auditioned for the play um, I you know didn't tell anyone I was doing it I, I just I remember that um, so that that was huge and that that's when it started that's when I let myself do it and and it has not been consistent in my life I've you know not done it for long periods of time
0: hmm. so did you go to college for theater was I that... did I went okay.
1: to SUNY Purchase um, for theater and you know struggled even there in terms of Saying okay, wait. I think I want to be a literature major, and kind of going back and forth. Um, And you know, the same with um, with graduate school. I I ended up. um, I was at NYU's MFA program, um, but I didn't I didn't finish there because I um, it was very expensive, and I was on my own. And Mm -hmm. and it wasn't just the money, although the money was huge. um, I think I I I was also frightened. By the work itself. I was very young mm. and it was it was scaring me. Yeah. you know I could say, oh what was scaring me was the life of being an actor, but it was actually the work itself that was scaring me. Um, mm. you know the <sighs> surrendering to it and being open to it of what it took to really let myself do what the work was. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I was ready or, or I needed support and mm-hmm. I, I wasn't sure how to find that. So, hmm. it's it's a regret I have actually. I don't I don't really have regrets in my life, but I have the regret of leaving NYU. I wish I had stayed. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you discovered Eddie when you were in college. When no,
1: no, no. Oh. I had already no. I I my college roommate's mother recommended it to me, but I was I had graduated long before. Oh. Know. Yeah. So she recommended the book to me. Um, because I, I stayed, you know, I became friends with her mother, mm-hmm. and I mean, I stayed friends with her, but I also, <laughs> um, she was, she was an important person in my life, um, mm-hmm. and I, um, she recommended it to me, and that was in mm-hmm. the mid-90s, late 90s, okay. maybe, yeah, maybe late 90s, uh-huh. so that's a long time ago, so I, I, you know, my experience with Eddie started, you know. I mean, it wasn't when Eddie came to. I mean, Eddie was published in the 80s. Okay. But I didn't know about her then. Mm. I mean, this was, I'd say, the late 90s. Okay. Yeah.
0: Tell me about this journey because I feel like you discovered your love of performance, and then, as you say, much later, you discovered Eddie. Tell me about the journey of discovering the book first of all because that's a unique story when you came to I think it was a yard sale and then walk me through the process of deciding when you wanted to write it.
1: So Joan my Laura's you know my roommate's mom um, Joan recommended the book to me mm-hmm. she said that it changed her life um, some people use that language Joan did not use that language so okay. that that was serious it wasn't <laughs> you know Um, She was an avid reader. Um, I had great respect for her. And um, I found it a few months later at a yard sale. I was living in Maine. I was teaching in Maine then. And I picked it up, and I started reading it during spring break. And I didn't like Eddie at all. Um, I thought she was a drama queen. I thought she was really self-involved. And I didn't know why Joan had recommended it. Um, It's funny, because last night we had this book talk um, at the, the center, and one of the professors said, when she started reading it, she thought she was in the wrong book. And I wanted to say, that's how I felt. (laughs) I felt like, wait, is this what Joan recommended? Um, I think I'm in the wrong book. Why did Joan recommend this? So, and I don't know where it shifted. Um, I know I kept reading because it was Joan. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't Eddie that kept me going. It was Joan Mm. and, and being good about that. And I don't know where it shifted, but it did shift. Um, where suddenly she was a friend of mine you know inviting me into myself Mm -hmm. in ways that I had never been before Um, you know parts of me that I had never gone to Mm -hmm. with anyone even me Mm -hmm. and I I Stayed mm-hmm. and had never had that experience in a book before. I mean, I surrender to books. I I'm in. <laughs> okay. Um, and I go into that world.
2: Yeah.
1: But this was different. This felt like it was bringing me into me, mm. and I was kind of in in conversation with Eddie. But she was also bringing me into me. I was in conversation with myself. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like a novel where I get to go into that world.
2: Yeah.
1: And that was new mm. um so I was in a very abridged copy not knowing it was abridged and when I finished and I cheat when I read because I'm the slowest reader in the world <laughs> so I sometimes can't take it and I read the ending okay. and then go back um I do go back but it's like some I'm just impatient and yeah. I'm slow so I knew she didn't survive okay and I was then really savoring the words Mm. um, towards yeah as I because now I didn't want to let go Mm -hmm. and um and I I don't really understand my judgment um of that first read because I don't think of myself as judgmental I don't think of myself as prudish Mm. and yet I was judging her um, because if you know, if there's one place you get to be self involved, it's a diary. Mm-hmm. She didn't ask me to join her in that text. Yeah. And she's who she is in the beginning. She's that first entry is amazing actually. Mm-hmm. The first entry, she pretty much lays it right out there. So where was I? I mean, I don't know. That's <laughs> it's really I think the diary invites you to consider yourself as a reader. Mhm. Um, that certainly, that certainly came up at one of the prisons I was at early on that really helped me see, you know, mm. I remember saying that to the women, um, who are we as readers? Yeah. Because diaries are not novels. Yeah. You know, they we're going into intimate texts mm. that maybe we were invited into and maybe not. Um, Interesting. So how, ha- what's our relationship with this text? It asks yeah. all those questions. Um, hmm. So anyway, when I finished that first time, I had three things that happened all at once. Um, one was, why isn't she well-known? Mm-hmm. I had never encountered the experience, but also the sensibility. I am surprised throughout, um, throughout the, the writing. I thought, oh, I know, I will um, put her words in my body, I will mm. make a play, and I will bring her to people who might not read her, yeah. they'll see the play and read her. Mm. It was my goal, it's still my goal, yeah. it's, it's, um, it's not about the play for me, it's about the diary, it's about reading her, it's about having that relationship where she invites you into yourself without judgment,
0: Yeah.
1: by giving you herself. hmm and that process. And I didn't wanna let go of her yet. I wasn't ready, which was strong because it wasn't how I went in. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to give her something back. Yeah. It feels like she gives a lot.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's a great gift, even though at times it's uncomfortable, it's mm-hmm. disarming, it's embarrassing. Um, but it feels that you are in the truth, in her truth, and her vulnerability and rawness. Mm-hmm. And I I wanted to meet her partway and, mm-hmm. and give something back to that. Mm-hmm. If I didn't feel okay about it, I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, because people have asked, you know, do you feel you have the right mm-hmm. A student Boston University asked me, do you feel you have the right to publicly bring this diary out? And I said, um, it was such an honest question. She wasn't challenging me. She was challenging me in all the right ways. Um, And I said, if I didn't, I couldn't do it. And if I get to a point where it feels wrong, I I have to stop. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is is raw and vulnerable. and I have to meet that part way too. I mean, I have to, I have to, I have to be present to it, mm-hmm. um, and open myself to mm-hmm. it. And it's really hard. Um, sometimes it feels brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, other times, it, you know, I just love being with her. I love mm-hmm. being inside her words. It feels like a great gift mm-hmm. um, because even though her circumstances are brutal Mm -hmm. she is not and she is seeking the truth and people don't do that
2: Mm -hmm.
1: they just don't and to be in that presence of that is fresh Mm -hmm. and beautiful yeah um so i i love that i love you know i love that i love Mm -hmm. her can you walk
0: me through what your favorite line from the Eddie play is? <laughs> that's a hard one. It is.
1: I've never thought about that. <laughs> I can tell you mine. Okay.
0: Mine is where, I won't say it verbatim, of course, um, but it's where she's walking. I think it's barbed wire where she's walking and skipping
1: in... A spring in my step. Yep. Yeah, that's a great... Uh, There was a woman, an incarcerated woman, in a prison in Missouri, which was a pretty sad prison. And I was there at night um, a few years ago. The rain was really intense, really intense. And she came up to me afterwards and she said, I'd sit in the yard in the rain all night to hear you do the play again. Wow. That's huge. Yeah, that was... um, It's one of my favorite lines from the people that join and live in the foundation of this piece. Mm -hmm. Um, A favorite line of Eddie's. I know my director, one of his favorite lines, (laughs) and he took it out. Oh, no. He took it out, and that's when I knew he meant business (laughs) because he said every line has to have a home. (sighs) And he took out this line. She says, she writes, um, I know a little bit about history. And then there was one day, I remember where we were standing, right in the West Village in the studio. And he said, it's going. And I said, you love that line. And he said, it has no home. Mm. And that's when I knew he, boy, he wasn't messing around. Wow. Um, Okay, this is, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's my favorite. It's certainly one of my favorites. The small bedroom holds a glimmer of light from Speer's study. When I walk in, I see that his bed has been turned down and above it a heavily laden spray of orchids has been hung. Mm -hmm. On the little table beside his pillow stand daffodils, so yellow, so poignantly yellow and young. The turned down bed, the orchids, the daffodils, there's no need to lie down in that bed. It's like a whole night of loving. I love that. I think I think part of why I love that line is the very first school I brought the piece to and I didn't think it could go to schools hmm. was an underserved school in Brooklyn. Okay. Um, a high-risk school. I went to this program and there were students there who were just trying to graduate. Um, And it was in the afternoon. And when I said that line, this girl was sitting next to her boyfriend and she leaned her head against his neck. And I always see them. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: It was so beautiful in the light. I love the ending okay that's that 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 line I really love um I love when she when I the ending the ending I got the ending way before I got the beginning okay I remember sitting at my table and it just came and I um yeah because you know she's asking she keeps asking God why did you not make me a poet Mm. and then and then and I don't have this line in. I was talking to students about this this week because maybe I'll put it back in. Um, but she writes at a certain point, why did you not make me a poet? But perhaps you did. Um, and I, I took that out because Austen feels it's implied that the audience oh. knows because because I then say, and a camp needs a poet even there, a bard to sing about it. So the mm-hmm. implication that she knows she's going off as the poet. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, I, I love... I love the whole ending of um, there's no hidden poet in me. Mm -hmm. Um, I need new words, unborn words. Mm. There's no hidden poet in me. Just Mm -hmm. a little piece of God that might grow into poetry and a camp needs a poet, even there, a bard to sing about it. Wow. I love... um, that's a line from the play mm-hmm. that's really not necessarily her line. So I guess I gave oh. you, so that's kind of interesting because then I gave you kind of two different examples. I gave okay. you the one that's hers yeah. of the image of the bed yeah. where the image of the bed is the lovemaking itself. Yeah, I don't even need to be in the bed. <laughs> it's like, it's all there. Yeah. Um, but then the other is me crafting her words into the shape that takes me with them and huh. and that's you know they're her words yeah. um, but it's that's where um i feel like i'm with her and and there i do feel confident in that ending yeah um, hm can you walk
0: me through what it's like to perform in different spaces especially My biggest curiosity is internationally, how people respond. And you mentioned this, the difference between Scottish prisons and American prisons. But what has your perspective been like being at all these diverse places?
1: The prisons are the most powerful performances. Mm. And I am most comfortable in the prisons. Interesting. I struggle with performance anxiety. Okay. And like Sunday, it was pretty bad. Um, Because I haven't done the live, the full live piece in two years since March twenty twenty, so I, my demons were out on Sunday. Um, Yeah, they were they were pretty bad from Saturday on. I I had already been anticipating it, so I was having a hard time, even before that. Um, But I never have that in the prisons. Hmm. The prisons. the incarcerated people are with me and and I know that we're gonna be in this together. Even though I had my worst performance in a prison. Really? Yeah, yeah. The uh-huh. worst one I ever had. Um so and I'll tell you about that in a minute. <laughs> the I I think I think what's wonderful about the prisons is um because the prisons are horrible places, but yeah. what's wonderful about the prisons is here's Eddie and it's so raw mm-hmm. and we're in this environment and it's all just working because mm-hmm. because we're in the environment that you know that understands mm-hmm. her lack of freedom mm-hmm. and and um, you know and, and what one does. So there's something about it that just, you know, I don't know that, that just works. The Scottish prisons, um, you know, for many people seeing a one person play is new. Mm-hmm. So they're not just learning about Eddie and learning about the Holocaust, they're learning about theater. Yeah. Because even if they have seen a one person play, they haven't seen one like this. Mm-hmm. So now it's like, "Wait, what? Mm. You just read something and you're saying that and that's a play?" <laughs> like, "Wait, like don't you don't become somebody? There aren't other characters? Like where's the set? What what's happening here?" <laughs> you know yeah. what isn't isn't a play like entertainment where's the entertaining <laughs> aspect so there's so much Yep. and and that's been a process for me to learn about that huh. um the worst performance the worst experience I had was um so I suffered with performance anxiety and yeah. I remember I was working with Austin okay. um, Austin Pendleton who doesn't make doesn't take credit for helping me write the script but i am giving it to him because there would be no (laughs) script without him okay um he has been you know he helped me with that but he is the director and i was going up to albany to do the piece at a library okay and he said what are you nervous about and i said that people will fall asleep and he said people fall asleep in theater people fall asleep all the time the lights go out they're out that's part of theater yeah. because there's kind of, it goes dark. Mm-hmm. So he said, no, make it worse than that. <laughs> and I said, okay. And I couldn't. Yeah. And he said, let's have them leave. And I said, while I'm doing the piece? He said, yeah, let's have them walk out one by one. Uh-huh. You're sitting there. And these people came in. They wanted to see it. The room's full of the chairs and they're, you know, they're in them. And that was, in fact, what happened. It was a full, it was a full, you know, it was a full audience in the library. And he said, let's have them leave one by one until no one's left. And I said, well, not the librarian who organized it. He said, no, let's have her leave too. (laughs) And he said, what would you do? And I said, I would keep, talking. And he said he points when he makes a point sometimes and he said good. <laughs> if that happens, you will begin to get to where Eddie was when she started writing. Wow. And he said, "Oh, I hope that happens. I hope you have a performance." where one by one people walk out, and you're left there. Hmm. Well, in this prison in Scotland, where it wasn't well organized, I had the closest thing to that. And it was, and I knew, I knew when it was happening, I thought, at a certain point, not right away, Mm -hmm. I thought, this is what he meant.
2: Hmm.
0: What was it like experiencing that?
1: Oh, it was... They, could, they would have thrown things at me if they had. What they did is, <gasps> it was this prison that, you know, they don't know the play. Yeah. You know, the organizers of any of the venues don't know the play yeah. for the most part. Huh. So So they think, oh, it's an opportunity. Here's this... Actor from, you know, from America who's come over with this piece. It's historical. You know, it's yeah. got this historical element. I'm coming during International Holocaust Commemoration. Wow. That tends to be when I go to the U.K. is in January.
2: Okay.
1: And, um, and let's, let's take the opportunity and let's bring as many people in here as possible. Not the way to go. No yeah. one should see this play unless they've signed up for it. Mm. So when I got there and I got through security um, at the prison the woman organizing it said, "Um, we have the women and the men together for this. And I said, oh, no, no, no. Mm. Um, She said, no, no, it'll be fine. I said, no, I can stay the whole day. Let's do the women in the morning and the men in the afternoon. She said, no, we can't because of the schedule. And the schedule is always what's at stake in the prison. You know, Mm, you think it's bad in schools. At prisons, it's, you know, airtight. So I knew it was going to not go well because if how could you put the women and the men in the room together yeah they're going to have to deal with each other they're not with each other yeah so and then this plays weird on top of it you know so so all of it's not going to go well Mm. um and of course it didn't Mm. so the men you know the men were separated they were kind of you know they were behind there was space in between but the women hadn't seen men and so they're getting up and you know you know Uh, they're women seeing men, so they... They're getting up and doing, you know, what we do when we're around people and... New people, yeah. Yeah, new people and suddenly we're, you know, you find somebody attractive and who am I and am I attractive and all of that. Yeah. So that was the energy, as as mm-hmm. of course it would be. Yeah. Eddie would have been the first one to agree with that. <laughs> I mean, she writes about it. She's yeah. saying it's happening at the camps. I mean, yeah. it's happening with the commandant. Yeah. You know, you don't even control that Mm -hmm. um you don't control who you're attracted to yeah and um anyway so I start the piece Mm. and they're trying yeah (coughs) and I this this changed the way I did this section actually and I get to the prayer Mm. and that was it everyone lost it they just lost it they were so uncomfortable Mm. um and so that was it it went off the rails I mean (sighs) I mean, I, they, people would have thrown things at me if they could have. They were laughing. They, were, they just didn't know how to deal with it. What is this? Yeah. And, and then because there was this added kind of sexual energy and discomfort and, you know, energy and tension, um, it, it was not going to be able to go back. I kept mm. going because that's when I realized I was in that moment that Austin talked about you know Mm. of i'll just keep going but then at a certain point i stopped yeah um and then we couldn't even have the discussion i mean that's how gone they were there was not even going to be that part they were they were gone and and um i i was okay i you know went with my head up um and left it was that night that it hit me how do i go tomorrow morning to another prison Mm. you know so that that it it that was a hard. It was kind of getting back on the horse, you know. Mm-hmm. That was hard. The next day, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I had a performance the next day, and it mm-hmm. it taught me that um, I never do the 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 prayer at a prison or at a school without introducing it first and asking if um, if people that there is a prayer in the piece that makes people uncomfortable. Should I go ahead? Mm. And it's always been yes. But now when I get to it, everyone has signed on. Yeah. Um, That's important. You know, and it's hard because I never know what the prayer will be. But I do know it's in a foreign language.
0: Interesting. And I know
1: that it's sung. Huh. Um, where my body will go with it, I don't know. Because I've worked okay. on it pretty hard with a canter. Yeah, um, I worked on it with two cantors, but the 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 second cantor really helped me find this particular prayer and melody, and she, and also a director I worked with in London really gave me permission to let whatever that moment is, in terms of what what Etty is. Where she is in terms of getting to her knees, which mm. does not come easily.
2: Yeah.
1: The first time I did it in rehearsal, any time I do it, um, you know, I'm a Jew, I don't go to my knees. Mm-hmm. That's it's incredibly intimate and emotional mm-hmm. um, and vulnerable. So maybe I go there, maybe I don't. I certainly try to, and then where that brings me. Yeah. So the the prayer and. The prayer has to work, because if the prayer doesn't work, high school students will throw you out of the room. They'll do what those incarcerated people were going to do that day. If they could, they would have thrown things at me. Oh, no. So I, I have to get the prayer right. Yeah. You know, I have to, huh. it has to be honest. Yeah. Um, it was the work I didn't expect. I didn't expect the, I didn't expect to be working with God.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so. That. Yeah, huh. yeah, I didn't expect that. Interesting. Yeah, that's been the hardest work. I thought I thought writing yeah. the script would be the hard part, but yeah. it's just one hard part. Huh. Yeah.
0: Interesting. I have a question. I asked you this the night of performance, but you meet Holocaust survivors and you meet so many people. How how do testimonies from Holocaust survivors shape the story and shape your just development of Eddie?
1: It's hardest for me to um, present the piece or perform the piece, if you will, when I know there's um, a Holocaust survivor in the audience. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a fake and I particularly am aware of that in Mm -hmm. the presence of a survivor. Um, That said, they are the most supportive, um, people to this project. Mm. Um, they are so supportive. Um, but that's not where I am with it. You know, I feel, um, small and, Mm. and like a fake and I, I just want to get it right. And I am afraid of offending, insulting Hmm. um you know not not honoring Mm -hmm. and being very careful um about what for them was their lives yeah um so i'm i feel like um it's it's careful Mm -hmm. work um but they are the survivors have donated money, time, energy, connection. Um, they've come to multiple performances. They've been on panels. Wow. They've 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 taught me. They've helped me. They've guided me. It's mm-hmm. it's pretty incredible. Um, there are. You know, most of the survivors that I have worked with are no longer here. Wow. I didn't really appreciate the time when I started the project. Mm-hmm. I mean, the survivors who were left now um, were so young then because they already would be old. I mean, it's... Yeah. it's. Um, I mean, next November... Um, will be the 80th anniversary of of Eddie's death so and she was 29 Mm -hmm. so I mean how old could people have been that are survivors they had to be and she was young yeah so it's I mean we're really at the we're at the end of of our last survivors Mm -hmm. um from the holocaust yeah it's yeah. it's i mean i I think that I think we I, and, and then yeah. then, and it's coming soon, then we'll have these words, yeah. and I think they know that, mm-hmm. and I think it's why they um, are nudging and supporting mm-hmm. and pushing me forward,
0: yeah
1: um because. I only use Eddie's words. Mm-hmm. And I am insistent and committed to that and always have been and Austin always was. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we don't have her. Yeah. But we have her words and she did work to leave them. Mm. That's her paper trail. Um she worked hard to do that and we have that, yeah. you know. It's an artifact. Mm-hmm. It's not her. Um You know, there are certain things people say that actually upset me. They, you know, people will say, it's as if she's not, you know, that she didn't die. It's like she's Mm. here. No, 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 it was a brutal, it was a brutal death. Yeah, Um, People say that about Anne Frank as well. And they'll say that even after the piece. And it's like, no. And I, it's one of the things the play does, which is problematic because it doesn't, you know, it ends and you don't get to see Anne Frank's end, Mm -hmm. um, at Bergen Belsen, which is horrible. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I feel like, I I think it's why I'm committing my life to these words, Mm -hmm. you know, and bringing them. I mean, yesterday I spent all day with eighth graders at (laughs) Aldo Leopold. Yeah you know, um, with them reading those words. And I thanked them. I started by thanking them. You know, I mean, for students to read the words of, and to hear them read those words out loud, you're hearing them read, you know, their kind of sister brothers in Ukraine, Poland, you know, Lithuania, wherever the diaries are. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, It's it, it, it changes the temperature in the room. Yeah, to hear a 15-year-old read a 15-year-old's diary. Yeah. Even in translation, but it's different. You're just hearing the voice. Something yeah. changes in them. You can hear it. I wonder. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's really, um, you know, it, to me, that's the work. It's mm. not, you know, it's just let's let's just the words the words are so much Mm -hmm. and and what did it take for people to write them
2: yeah
1: how do you do that how do you take Mm -hmm. you know how do you take the unexplainable and try to describe it Mm. um and for eddie i mean she wrote that she did not want to be a chronicler of horrors Mm. she said Other people will have to describe the horrors if history is to get it right. Mm. She's not denying that it has to be done, but she did not want to do it herself. What she gives us is the image of, you know, um, a soldier with a rifle down his back, the rifle's dangling on his back, picking purple lupins Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and that's an image I don't know anywhere else yeah so that's the picture she gives us how do you become that how do you Mm -hmm. become someone who is attached to a rifle moving towards beauty Mm -hmm. and what do we do with that image so when you you know when you wrote me about you know today Because I think, see, I think Eddie speaks to us today in ways that I think she actually wasn't doing earlier. Mm. Because first of all, why did it take 38 years for her diaries to get published in the first place? Yeah. Um, she was a modern woman. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure the world was ready for her voice.
2: Mm.
1: I think she's surfacing now. Yeah. And there's a professor, a great professor, John McDar. I think he's Professor Emeritus right now at Boston College. Okay. And he taught Eddie for over 20 years at Boston College. And I've brought it there twice.
2: Wow.
1: And he he said that he discovered Eddie in the 80s. Okay.
0: All
1: right. So, I mean, almost close to 20 years before I did. Yeah. Um, And it was when friends of his were dying of AIDS. Wow. And actually... Actually, there were people who had discovered her um, that were dying of AIDS and, and found her diaries and found them, um, that they she helped them, you know, because she faces death, yeah. you know. Um, anyway, he said in this introduction when I was performing at Boston College, he said that this was this period for him, and mm-hmm. somebody handed him that book. And he reads it. And he said he believed that she came into his life at a time when he needed her. And he wondered if she's coming into our world now at a time when we need her. And we need her.
0: Did she come into a a time of your life when you needed her?
1: (sighs) Wow. Um, that's, that's interesting because (laughs) I didn't like her, right? You know, and then I, then I, then, then she turned me upside down to think, wait, who am I reading you? You know, what, what kind of reader am I? Look, where's my judgment? Hmm. Now I had the idea for the play, um, but then it was like, oh, I'll do that. But I'm also a single mom with little boys, and whatever. I'll do it. And I thought I had all the time, right? We all ha- we have all the time in the world mm. for whatever our ideas. And I have lots of ideas.
2: Mm.
1: Well, then we're driving one night on two eighty seven north and I'm driving we're driving to Connecticut. We're in New Jersey, driving to Connecticut. I'm teaching in Princeton then. And some woman hits hits me from the side. I don't see her coming. And my car, it's not even my car, I borrowed a car, is spinning. And I'm in the spin. I thought, we're done. We're done. I've got one son next to me, the other behind. And the car is spinning. And I thought, let it be fast. And I don't know how that car stopped. I don't know the physics of it. Um, I don't know how I happened to hit the the side and this metal on an angle that stopped the driving. Mm -hmm. And now we're suddenly stopped and there's no glass because it's all on our laps. Like everything has, the car has been totaled. And my older son of the older of the two is thinking, because I'm not, I'm, I'm, there's glass, where are we? And he um, pushes the hatchback open, gets our stuff out. I mean, he's the one on top of this, like we're getting out.
2: Yeah.
1: And now we're on the side of the road, right? You pass these accidents and now you're the one that's on the side of the road. Wow. So someone I don't, I don't know why another car wasn't coming at that moment. I don't know how all of that happened, how it wasn't a pile-up. And someone calls an ambulance. Um, suddenly I'm on a board and I'm, you know, attached to something. And as they're bringing me into the hospital, the thought in my head was, I didn't write that play about Eddie. What? What? Where did that come from? (laughs) So that night when I got home, someone picked us up. I have a neck brace on, but we're home. We're home. We're alive. I'm still in the spin because I don't know how, how did the car stop? I mean, I'm in the spin, um, but we're home. No car anymore. That was someone else's car and it's gone, but he's, Grateful, because cars can be replaced. Um, And that's the night I started finding Eddie. And I think, yeah, I think that was, you know. And Austin says I needed to be, he thinks I needed to, maybe, I needed to have my life ending Mm -hmm. to... Access what I needed to access her. Um, another friend of mine, who's a philosopher at Brandeis, said, "You didn't see it coming," and she doesn't see it coming. So I don't know, but that 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 was the moment that night yeah. when I realized there is no time there's now and I've been working on the piece since then like that was when as soon as I got back on my feet a couple of days later I called my best friend right that's what we do (laughs) and I said the idea out loud because Mm -hmm. saying it out loud is means commitment (laughs) we met for I don't know a muffin and coffee and I said listen to this And um, that was the start. And I've taken (sighs) breaks from it. Okay. Um, Like this past summer, I got cast in a Neil Simon play in Cleveland. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And that was just this unbelievable experience. But um, she's there. Yeah. Um, And it's not like even when I'm working on that, that I'm not working on her during the day or in some way. Yeah. But it's actually good for me to even let go of the script I, I used to yeah. not be able to do that but actually now it's good because when it happens I come back to it and like now coming back to it um Sunday yeah. after not performing the full play for two years yeah. I realize first of all I forgot some things so there were things mm-hmm. that I didn't like Speer dies and that wasn't in the performance on Sunday huh. so Okay, how, you know, people seem to not ask about that. But what (laughs) happens to Speer? And, you know, it makes me think, okay, where are we? Like, what adjustments might I want to make? I mean, Mm. because I said to Austin, you know, will this play ever be finished? Will I ever stop working on it? And he said, a diary is a live document. Mm. The play will never be fully realized. Because as long as you keep working on it, it will keep evolving. So it will stop when you stop. And I think that's, you know, and I think that's probably the case for plays anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, Like one of my favorite playwrights, Sam Shepard, who we lost a couple of years ago, um, he, you know, that that was, I mean, I'm not putting myself in the same camp as I'm yeah. just saying he's one of my favorite playwrights but he um that's what would happen he would just stop I mean that was it we're on the next play you know it's like oh. I can't work on it anymore um and I oh. I think maybe that's probably any creative project because yeah. I don't think I don't think um I mean I think I think pieces are like they're not perfect and yeah. I'm not I'm not sure they're supposed to be finished I don't even know what that means yeah um and I was also thinking about something else you said um, over the last couple of days um, that about young people and what they may take from this. Because yeah. I certainly didn't know I was going to have student versions and, yeah. you know, a middle school version and whatever <laughs> because she's so sexual yeah. and you know, complicated and so much. I love that about her though. I do too. But then how do I get that into a version that is not more complicated? I don't mean censured. I don't want to censure her, but but, but how do I do it in a way that um, doesn't, doesn't distract students from what she did mm. or judge her so that they can actually get into her sensibility and mm-hmm. kind of have some access to her because they could read her and find out all, like, all of her complexity. Yeah. But I think one of the things that I was thinking about, about that, about um, young people, and she's young, that I think is important is that she's flawed. Yeah. And the writing is not precious. And I think that's so important for all of us because, because you ask me what are, you know, my favorite lines. But what about the writing that's clunky
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and doesn't work? And thank God for that. Yeah. Like that she is brave enough to put that out mm. and you know work her way through it because and and am I brave enough to put that in the play mm. and be clunky um so that and are we willing as audience to be clunky and mm. have pauses and you know space and language that doesn't work and because i think that also helps us feel like it's within our reach does that make sense no
0: 100 percent. as a perfectionist i completely
1: understand and i think that she ends up then you know kind of helping us you know and i i think i don't know so so i think that's good and anne frank has been on put on such a pedestal yeah Um, and I'm sorry that her language has been made precious because I think, you know, she's working it through also. Yeah. Um, I think that in terms of the Europe question, so in the UK, there is historically and traditionally a great respect for theater. Mm. So that even in the prisons, and even if the incarcerated men have not seen theater before, the respect historically of the culture has a respect for the peace. Mm -hmm. Also, this war was on their soil. Yeah. Um, there's an immediacy, um, they know their history, it has, you know, a very different, it's, it's intimate, they understand it in a way I don't, so Mm. it brings that in. Mm -hmm. Um, The, that said, the I go to many more men's prisons than women's, and I'm usually yeah. in high security male prisons. Interesting. But the women's prisons in the UK are very different than the women's prisons in the United States in terms of their response to this piece. Mm. The um, the women in the UK um, ha- have a. It's harder for them to open yeah. and let Eddie in. Um, and what the mm. guards have told me is to make themselves vulnerable puts their lives in danger. Um, So, it's a harder piece in that way. Um,
2: Wow.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's, um, there's a lot, there's a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm embarrassed in Scotland because they understand me so well and the dialects are strong. The accents are strong <laughs> in yeah. the prisons, and I have to often not only ask them to repeat themselves many times, mm. but actually sometimes other incarcerated men have to actually um, translate oh. what they're saying for me because yeah. of that. And I am embarrassed of that, and I mm. and I feel badly about that. Yeah. The I think part of the reason. I am so comfortable in prisons, yeah. and comfortable is not quite the right word because it, it, they're heartbreaking to yeah. be there, um, is, so I grew up in the projects. Okay. Um, I grew up really poor.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I certainly was, you know, participated in illegal behavior mm-hmm. from when I was four years old on. Um And... I'm not proud of that, but um, it was wired into me, mm-hmm. and I didn't think it was wrong. I still struggle with some of that. Mm. Um, I didn't know I would feel comfortable in prisons. I th- I didn't know incarcerated people would feel comfortable with me. I knew I was comfortable right away. That, that mm. was just happening. People would say, are you scared? I thought, scared. Huh. Um, and... Then the guards in all the different prisons started actually saying that. After it, ha- you get a, after you get the same statement a few times. It's like, okay, they said, you know, um, the men are really comfortable with you here, or the huh. women are speaking to you here, in, and and yeah. So I thought, okay, what's that? Yeah, and I think that w- they're also from the projects. They're mm-hmm. called different things. They're called different things in Scotland, in yeah. London, in Chicago, yeah. but. We have poverty in common, Mm. and poverty is the real crime. And it was only luck and a couple of people at the right moment that put their hand out. And I took that turn that I didn't end up in prison. Mm -hmm. And so I um, I feel very connected to the people there. You know, not not the protected prisoners, which is a whole other thing that we won't talk about. That's mm. that's a whole different level, and yeah. that and they're not from the project, so that's a whole different yeah. situation.
0: Mm. I have two more questions because we're running short on time. Um, this is a heavy one too, but why does the world need Eddie right now? And I'm thinking through the lens of the Ukraine conflict that's happening right now. Like, what can we take most from her story in current history?
1: So it's interesting that you say her story yeah. because um, I've I've never focused on her story. That's true. Yeah. Her story, yeah. you know, I think her story probably deserves to be told, mm. um, you know, but what is her story? Her story is, she's a young woman. She goes back to school. She moves yeah. to Amsterdam and she, you know, her Judaism is imposed on her. She is deported to a camp and she's murdered. Yeah. And that's... Every story um, of someone experiencing that should be told, but that's not the story that I worked on or was interested in telling. Mm -hmm. For me, I was always interested in the story of her diary, Mm -hmm. the story that her paper trail tells, her transformation, her spiritual transformation um her commitment to not hating, to yeah. not demonizing her perpetrators, to her universe expanding, um, to find to to not seeing herself as a victim,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, to helping God, whoever God is, because I don't know who God is. She says it's the deepest part within herself, but also, yeah. you know, um, which for the sake of convenience I call God, but she's also having this kind of conversation with some outs, outside force um I think it's always the right time I think in that way like Orwell people say oh now it's 1984 right now it's the time but I think every generation says that because the book is so brilliant and I think it's always the right time for her I think Hmm. I think um I think yes I you know. Whenever I perform the piece, whether it's, you know, a few days after the massacre in the church in Charleston, um, if it's, um, you know, we're struggling with Syrian refugees, um, where I I did the piece for one Rwandan um, survivor named Consily, um who's become a friend of mine mm-hmm. and they filmed it and we're in a room together and I spoke the whole play to her and as soon as I started I got to a certain point she touched me she took my hands no one had ever done that in the piece so now the two of them are two of us are holding each like holding each other and um and she said when I finished she said um, it was as if Eddie's words from 1943 reached into 1994 um, and spoke to her. Wow! So there's that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in terms of the Ukraine... People on Sunday were noticing the suitcase. No one's ever talked about the suitcase before. Maybe mm-hmm, one comment mm-hmm. um, once at Yad Vashem, but nobody yeah. talks about the suitcase. Now that's where we are in this moment. But I think also she's helping us see we're talking about Ukraine. Why aren't we talking about Syrian refugees? Why aren't we talking about people in South America who are leaving? And I think that's how she surfaces. She says you know it it's every voice. Yeah. Um and and so I I um and who are we? Who are we? Um who am I? I don't know if that makes wow. any sense
2: 100%.
1: Oh, okay. Cuz I I and And that you know that we still have agency, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, if Eddie has a half an hour left mm. before she gets on that train, she decides what to do with that half an hour. She decides mm. where to put her thinking, mm. that she could go to terror. But she could also go to Rilke. She could go to beauty. She mm-hmm. could go to facing reality. Mm-hmm. Not, not you know, pretending it's not happening, yeah. but going there, you know, open, mm-hmm. which is what she's doing. Yeah. She is opening herself um, to the unnamed Holocaust. Mm. Um, you know, she wants to survive, but she wants to go through it Mm -hmm. and come out on the other. She felt it was arrogant to consider yourself above the masses. Mm. That's how she speaks to us now. If there's ever been a moment that I feel, and this is one of the formerly incarcerated men that I work with and have been working with for the last two years, who is really my mentor, Youssef. He says, until we see ourselves as we, we are doomed. This pandemic has has given us the opportunity to see ourselves as we, and we have not done it. We have not done it. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead, we're still I. Mm -hmm. We're not we. We're not in this global we. And we are doomed, right? Not just the climate, it's the pandemic. And Mm -hmm. Eddie is asking for that yeah you know that it's not it is arrogant to consider yourself above the masses you know people say that she has an obligation to go into hiding why because she's educated because she's from a better class and she's saying no no Mm. no no wow okay I only have time for one question but the conversation
0: has gotten so good This is a question I ask all of my guests. It's um, paying homage to where my podcast came from because it started out as a travel podcast. But if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you not go?
1: If I could go anywhere in the world, where would I not go? Yes. I would not go to Disney World. It feels like a waste of money and resources.
2: Hmm.
0: That's my favorite answer. (laughs) Thank you so much for speaking with me today. You are truly profound, and it has been a joy learning the story, not the story, the diaries of Eddie.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you so much.
0: that was my interview with Susan Stein and can I just say wow she is so incredible and inspiring and the work that she does is just so empowering and important to our society so thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you enjoyed hearing more about her story I was blown away by our conversation and please feel free to check out the Eddie Hilsom story it's truly incredible and fascinating i really hope you enjoyed this episode and on behalf of the norman miller center for peace justice and public understanding and going places i want to thank you for tuning in i hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and i can't wait to see where you go thanks bye